0: What the you are
1: listening to Wide the truck.
2: are you ready to truck it i'm Ohio State already going in the right direction, and uh, Oregon already had uh, number four on there. I was yes. watching that game along with you, texting your little shade during it. <laughs> yeah.
3: Thanks for pointing that out for everybody there. Yes, uh, the Ducks dissected our defense pretty well. Hey, man.
2: <laughs> they had a nice uniform on, too. But you know yeah. what? No, we're not going to dissect, or maybe we will. So let's jump into uh, National Truck Driver Appreciation Week, right? It kicks off this week. A little cowbell for all the drivers out there. We're going to have a couple great guests to talk all about what their organizations are doing about it, including DHL Supply Chain and C.H. Robinson. Both have great plans out there for the drivers and the rest stops, many companies out there. Got the rideshare guy, Harry Campbell, he's going to be on. He's got a great, successful YouTube channel. Really cool story, too. He went to school to be a mechanical engineer, got the structural engineering job with Boeing, and then he left to become an Uber. Well, he took an Uber and Lyft job to make money on the side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he decided to make a media empire behind it on YouTube. Really cool tale that he's got.
3: Yeah, from Engineer to uh, Media Empire for Rideshare. The Rideshare. Oh, ride very interesting. Can't wait to talk to him about
2: Christian it. Christian Lang, CEO, co-founder and chairman over at Trade Shift. He's going to talk to us about why it's so hard for some enterprise businesses to get digital. We'll find out all about that. Also... Some of the news reports will be talking about why you need to get your Christmas shopping started early, started now. You know, we talked about shippers in August. Mm-hmm. you got to get those things on the boat in time at the beginning of August. If you hadn't, it was too late. That was with Brian Patrick Bork. Well, now the warnings are coming out. You're just trying to buy your own gifts for the people out there. Got to make sure you start doing that now.
3: Oh, yeah. You're almost too late right now, right? Of course. I mean, that's, that's well, the problem. Yeah, you, Depends you. on what you're trying to get. All right? Yeah, it <laughs> depends on what
2: you're trying <laughs> uh, We'll also talk about the Echo deal. We'll all talk about delivery companies suing on New York City. 80% of drivers having trouble finding food on the road, maybe not feeling so appreciated. But we'll get into <laughs> the show right now. Let's tip the band first, though. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall. If you're ready to seize it, start reengineering your supply chain for autonomy Today. Contact tell them,
3: dude. Hey, go to localmation.ai for turnkey solutions immediately after this show. Hey, you know who's coming up? Cody
2: Griggs. She's director right. of capacity management at CH Robinson. She's gonna be talking to us this morning or this afternoon about what they're gonna be doing for National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, Cody, we I was actually just on your site, and I was happy to see that for Truck Driver Appreciation Week. I know that one of the things, spoiler, that I know you're partnering <laughs> with is St. Christopher's Trucker Relief Fund. And if I just typed mm-hmm. thank you in there and sent a little message, you all gave a dollar on my behalf to St. Christopher.
4: We do, absolutely. So that website that you're on is thanktruckdrivers.com. Uh, and, yeah, we're giving a dollar for every thank you that we get up to $25,000. Uh, we launched the campaign last week. And we already had over a 1,000 thank yous uh, as of Friday. And just, you know, I spent uh, part of my time on Friday just reading through some of them. And they're just so awesome to see. You've got people's families out there commenting. You've got a lot of our customers are out there saying thank you to just the amazing and incredible work that truck drivers do to support not just C. Robinson, but, you know, all of our personal lives, the economy at the whole, all of the Christmas gifts that you're going to be buying this week (laughs) now that we've all been spooked into early Christmas shopping.
3: Absolutely. Hey, uh, Cody, thank you so much much for that i got my thank you out there right away as soon as i saw that out there was great and so during this appreciation week you're inviting everybody to get out there thank those drivers and they need those 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 thank yous and recognize those drivers why is this so important to you guys though talk to me about that
4: yeah, I mean, so C.H. Robinson has a has a contracted capacity network of over seventy thousand carriers. So we work with a ton of carriers, and our business honestly just doesn't run without them. They are a critical component to helping us, you know, make sure that our customers get what they need um, from a services perspective. But you know, ultimately, this isn't just about the drivers who work with us, although we want all of them to work with us. Uh, it's about just you know the profession in general, and just showing our appreciation for how much we all recognize that we need uh we need the truck drivers on the road to make our lives our lives run
2: oh yeah well i have to agree and sage robinson touches so many of them and you're also giving back right you're giving an opportunity here if you Mm -hmm. are a driver you can win what 10 winners can win a thousand dollars a day yeah amazing amazing. right so all during this week same place i think that we went to put the thank you in a driver or a carrier can go there and if i understand correctly they're eligible to to be entered in this contest is that how it works
4: Yeah. So on the same website, thanktruckdrivers.com, you can enter in to win $1,000 a day uh, or excuse me, thousand dollars, 10 times a day for this whole week. Um, and all you need to do that is just some personal contact information and your MC number and and we'll go ahead and put you in that drawing. So yeah, we're, we're just so excited to give away all this money and just show drivers how much we appreciate them.
3: It's, it's, it's really excellent stuff. I love that you guys are putting your money where your mouth is, as, uh, as, as it were, right. Cause many people just go out there. They just post links and say, thank you, but you guys are going to be and beyond what drives that? Yeah, I mean,
4: there's so much going on in the world today, and a lot of it is just our sincere appreciation for the work that these drivers have done. You know, the last year and a half have especially been so hard on everybody. And, you know, when a lot of us could work from home and and do Zoom meetings or, you know, talk to people remotely, you know, didn't have that option. And so it really is just our sincere appreciation and thank you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the two biggest ways that drivers would them personally would like to see it. And we're going to get into some ways they can get involved with you. But obviously, the the big issues that they constantly are facing, especially throughout the pandemic, has been parking as well as finding meals and rest stops. Is C.H. Robinson helping the drivers in any way insofar as that's concerned?
4: Yeah. So from a fuel perspective, we do offer um, a fuel card and we've added a feature onto our mobile app, which is Navisphere Carrier, to allow carriers to find uh, discounted fuel through our fuel program. Um, we are currently in the process of figuring out, you know, what are those other options? You know, we do hear that from carriers a lot around, I need help when I'm driving on the road. And so um, our mobile app is a, will eventually support a lot of those features, but we're in the progress of doing a lot of discovery in that area.
3: Yeah. So, Cody, I mean, this this week is great. It reminds us to thank drivers and everything. And, you know, over the pandemic, the last two years, what have you, almost two years now, uh, we really uh, came to realize how important they are to the supply chain and everyday life for every family that's out there. How does the public and how do people keep that going and not forget about?
4: Yeah, that's, you know, and and that's what part of what this campaign is intended to do. That's why it's a public site. And, you know, I've been telling my friends and family about it. Go out there and let people know that, let the drivers of the world know that you appreciate the work that they're doing. Um, You know, I think that we'll be looking at this on an annual basis as to how do we continue to show our appreciation. You know, other ways that we show our appreciation is just in the functionality that we build. Um, You know, we do operate an app and a website that allow carriers to self-service as much of their business as they need to. So they can book shipments 24 hours a day. They have access to all of our freight whenever they need it so that we're not just working within business hours because we know that you know, truck drivers don't just run within eight to five. Um, they need access to, to the things that they need to run their business 24 hours a day. So, you know, building technology that supports that uh, is a huge part of what we do as well.
2: You know, th- these things are two-sided, too. So it's very important that the drivers take something out of these events, right? They yeah. feel appreciated. That's the point of Truck Driver Appreciation Week. It's also great if the partners do as well. What do you hope this year in particular, C.H. Robinson takes away from their Truck Driver Appreciation Week?
4: Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is about engaging the, with the driver community and also letting them know who we are. Uh, you know, C.H. Robinson has the most freight of any 3PL out there. Uh, you know, making sure that carriers are aware of the services that we offer, aware of the programs that we have, and aware of the, you know, just... The the opportunity that we can provide them in providing them with additional freight. So, you know, obviously we, we want to make it known what a great provider we are and what a great partner we are to work with for the carrier community.
2: Well, Hey, thank you so much. And thank you for putting this message out there. Good luck to all the drivers who are, Entering in to win that contest. And even if you're not a driver, if you're just a listener, all you got to do is go to the site. We'll have you give it one more time in a second. But you just go to the site. You can put any message in there. You can put a picture in. You can put whatever you want. And St. Trump's will donate a dollar on St. Christopher Truckers yeah, Relief love on your behalf. And that site one more time would be?
4: TruckDrivers.com. Easy enough.
2: Thanktruckdrivers.com. Thank you, Cody. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Wow. Wild stuff. Thank you. Wild stuff. Well, hey, I love it. Let's say you're, uh, you're driving your truck, Michael okay, Vincent, 90%. but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, the market's gone down. You can't get all the loads that you want. Oh, okay. So you decide to jump into an Uber or you decide to jump into a Lyft. Yeah. Heck, maybe you're even uh, you an engineer dr- working for <laughs> Boeing for the exact thing you went to college for, and you decide <laughs> you need to do it anyway. Let's ask Harry Campbell about it, because he's got a hell of a story, <laughs> and I really want to start off there, too. Harry, first of all, thank you for joining us on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and uh, ready to chat.
2: Now, how bad is the pay in at Boeing that you got your dream job out of college to work for them? You had to <laughs> you had to run this side business and all of a sudden it became your main gig.
1: Yeah, well, it was funny because about seven years ago, I was like you said, no joke, working as a structural engineer for Boeing, you know, making sure that the planes you're flying every day are safe. And uh, I signed up to drive for Uber and Lyft on the side. And to be perfectly honest, actually, on a per hour basis, seven years ago, you know, when the demand was just starting off and supply was pretty low, I actually did make more per hour driving for Uber and Lyft on the weekends and holidays than I was at my day job uh, as an engineer for Boeing. So that wasn't the reason why I left. I ended up leaving my day job to focus on my blog and my podcast, a Rideshare Guy, full time. But it definitely, you know, I guess I would say that things aren't always, you know, as they might appear. It wasn't, uh, it was an interesting combo, though, that's for sure.
3: (laughs) That is very, I'm going to keep, I'm going to try and forget this next time I get in a plane and start flying. I'm going to forget that that's what the case was. But so how did you go from Boeing to being a YouTuber? Tell us about that. What made you say, you know what, I need to do this?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I started driving for Uber and Lyft. And frankly, you know, I think that I like a lot of people who get into the gig economy I mean I think I thought it would be pretty simple pretty easy and let's be honest it's not rocket science uh, being an uber and lyft driver working in the gig economy but it is a little tougher than it looks and so I started documenting my experience on my blog on my podcast I started a YouTube channel and then of course over the years you know uber and lyft have grown into tens of billions of dollars worth of companies and also in the past year and a half we've seen an explosion in the food delivery and really gig economy more generally so I've sort of been fortunate that I've just been able to ride the coattails of these bigger and bigger companies. And, you know, there's huge demand out there for uh, working these jobs. And, you know, as you might imagine, I'm a big fan of working in the gig economy. Like any job, there are positives and negatives. But one of the things I love about the trucking industry is there's so many parallels to being an independent owner operator. You know, I think that when you think about these jobs, people say, oh, you know, you sit behind the wheel. I do that. Everybody drives. Right. But when you start doing things for six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day and you start having to deal with income, expenses, gas, insurance, liability, right, all of these other things, uh, you start to realize that, hey, you know, this can be a tough job. And if you're not making enough money to make it worth it, uh, you know, it may not be something you want to do very long.
2: Yeah. And, you, you know, you brought up a, a ton of different points here, one of them yeah. being just the the growth of gig economy itself. Seven years ago, you talk about it. Most people think you're talking about driving an Uber, replacing taxis. But now you have everything from, you know, TaskRabbit to Uber Eats to Uber Freight. I mean, there's so many different dynamics you could be talking about, even representing the individual driver themselves. How has that market changed and grown? Like, for example, you've had experience now for over seven years. What's different about it now than it was seven years ago? Let's just start on, let's keep it simple. Let's start about like the Uber, Lyft, just the livery side.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say on the Uber and Lyft side, frankly, they were the only options early on, at least the only main options. I mean, food delivery has been around for a while, but uh, Uber and Lyft were sort of the go-to options. I mean, the companies, um, you know, started off with a few hundred thousand drivers. Now they've got a few million drivers. And I think that it was sort of, they had the reputation for being the place where you could go where, you know, if you wanted the top pay, if you wanted to stay busy, if it was reliable, especially in the bigger cities. And I think now we're seeing that there are a number of competitors, especially in the food delivery and also kind of what I call the last mile delivery space. So, you know, the gig economy is pretty broad and it depends on how you define it. But I definitely think about it as people working in these sort of, you know, kind of like the name implies gig jobs, right? So less Airbnb, right? Someone who owns their own house or is renting out an apartment. I don't think of that as the gig economy, but someone who's sort of working on a per job basis, right? I'm going out, I'm delivering a meal. I'm going out, I'm giving an, a single ride. I'm going out, I'm, you know, going on a task where rabbit job and fixing someone's, you know, desk or something like that. Or even my, myself, you know, I've actually gone out and charged scooters for bird, right? So there's a lot of different jobs in the gig economy now, for sure.
3: So Harry, I can imagine that this would become something that is very interesting to myself and and even uh, the, uh, like Dooner, right? When you get into this cab, you start yeah. driving it, right? Very easy to just get out there and say, okay, I'll do this. And you make a couple bucks here and there. Was it that? Was it that the, the puzzle pieces starting to fall and say, "Wait a minute, how can I actually make this uh, into a yeah. living?" And finding those little <clears throat> niches at wait a minute, if you do this, I can make more money. And the strategy around yep. actually building this career is that what drove you?
1: Yeah, Michael, I like that word strategy because, you know, being with my background as an engineer, um, I really kind of from day one, you know, I started tracking my income. I started tracking my expenses. I even did a spreadsheet that I published on my site that was pretty popular early on, but it talked about something called my utilization rate, right? So I looked at the three different periods of where, you know, I was online on the app waiting for a ride. I, was, I had ac- accepted a request, they call this period two, where I was going to drive to them. And then period three, where I had a person in the car. And the period three is interesting because that's the only time you actually get paid as a driver, right? So if you're trying to increase your utilization, you want that to be as close to 100% as possible. And so I really started documenting exactly how much I was making. And the interesting thing is there have been a number of studies that have come out over the years now, that have actually used actual Uber and Lyft earnings data from drivers, and there's a huge discrepancy between basically the drivers who know what they're doing and the ones who don't. There was a study of Seattle drivers that came out, and the top earning drivers, so probably the top 10%, were over $40 an hour, and the lowest 10% were under $10, so like $5 to $10 an hour, right? Oh. So the average was probably somewhere in that $20 an hour range, which is usually what people you know talk about and see before expenses, but you can sort of just see, if you kind of know what you're doing and you really think about when you're driving and where you're going and you know, sort of how to pick up passengers, you know, which I think, you know, sounds pretty simple, right? But it can be challenging. You can actually have a big impact on your earnings in the positive manner. And so that's really what my whole site and my whole business has been predicated on is that if you kind of know what you're doing and you do everything you're supposed to do, you can make more money than the guy or the girl sitting next to you.
2: And the site isn't driving, just. Actually, I guess i <laughs> And the site isn't just you, Harry. In fact, we have a clip from a video we're gonna yeah. play in just a second here cool. that shows like the life of a truck driver. I think we have like the first thirty seconds of that. <laughs> Let's roll the tape really quick, and then we'll talk about it. See ya.
3: Hey, do you have a crippling fear of human interaction?
1: Ever wish you could listen to podcasts for fourteen hours a day? Are you tired of living in a building? Well, boy,
2: do I have a job for you! <laughs> well, <I love> <laughs> so, Harry, what, so Harry, what was that all about? And you dabbled your foot in freight, obviously, a little bit here. And you've touched on some of the parallel, yeah. the parallels between um, between the gig economy and driving. But talk to me a little bit about that one and how you went
1: about how you go about producing these videos. For sure. So really from day one of the site, you know, I was looking at it as an opportunity. I want to help, you know, I think really my whole mantra is that if people want to get into the gig economy, I want to help them, um, you know, succeed, make as much money as possible. And sort of one thing we started noticing is that, hey, there are a lot of people that come into the gig economy and do other things, right? And so basically over the past three or four years, we've really been trying to help support and enable anyone coming into the gig economy, right? Whether they want to go out and be a professional Uber driver for the rest of their lives, great, we can help them. Or if they want to transition into other opportunities. So, you know, I think of one category that people like to transition into is more professional driving jobs, right? So that could be chauffeur, limo, or a very popular one is truck driving. And so we actually use a number of contributors across the blog and YouTube channel, which is kind of unique. So it's not always my face on the YouTube channel when you pop over there in case you're wondering. And John um, Nope was actually one of our top contributors. He did a bunch of Uber and Lyft and food delivery apps. And one day he's a young guy too. And one day he just came to me and said, Hey, you know what? I'm over the gig economy. I'm going to go be a truck driver. And literally he was done. And after about a year of truck driving, I reached out to him and I said, I'd love to, for you to do a series of videos on what it's like to be a truck driver, just because I knew there's so many parallels. And I figured there was so much crossover with our audience. And that video is actually about to hit 4 million views on YouTube. So it's by far our most popular video. So even though my channel is all about Uber and Lyft and the gig economy, uh, you know, that video, our most popular video is all about truck driving. And I think we've made over $15,000 from the YouTube ads alone on that video. So thank you, uh, John.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome stuff Harry. So, uh, and I agree, there's probably a lot of crossover with the strategy, especially if you're an owner operator, et cetera, when you're driving a truck as as far as, you know, going to the gig, that is gig economy, right? If you're an owner operator yeah. running around, it really, really isn't, isn't much difference at all. But we talked about you left, you were an engineer and then you went to Uber and and driving and that type of stuff. And now you're in, now doing a podcast how did you get that started how did you learn how to do the podcast that build that media company Sure.
1: Well, I mean, I think like, a you know, one of the things that I love about creating online content today is that, I mean, if you look at my setup right now and compare it to the Freight Waves, I'm nowhere near as professional as you guys, but it really isn't as hard to start a podcast, to start a YouTube channel, to start things. And right, even though I started my blog seven years ago, I think that the uh, online content opportunities are, you know, still, there's such a low barrier to entry and the marginal opportunity is basically infinite, right? And that's kind of what I got lucky in a lot of ways because I latched... I was one of the first people to start covering this industry. And I think what also made it unique is that I did it from the worker's perspective, right? There's a lot of interest in covering Uber and Lyft and the gig economy, but I sort of went out there, I worked for these services, and then I just wrote about my experience. And, you know, the support that drivers were getting from the companies was pretty bad and still is, you know, one of the top complaints that people have today. Uh, Some of that is because they're independent contractors, so they're not trained like employees. And so I started off with my blog, I started off with my YouTube, I kind of just considered consistently created content uh, for seven years, basically. <laughs> and over time, sort of grew out a small team that helps me on the editorial side. So we've got a few people helping out on the editorial side now. And then I can kind of, you know, they, they help me with the day to day side of the content. And then I can kind of explore a lot of new opportunities, you know, like this trucking, um, you know, sort of thing, for example, right, if, if I didn't have a ton of time or a ton of help, we may not have gone out and done this experiment where we did a bunch of content on what it was like to be a truck driver.
2: Let's talk about the dark underside of, of this world, though, Are there are there like it's relatively newer stuff. You know, I'm trying to think of when I first downloaded Uber, it was probably about like 2011 in, in, in Boston. I remember someone was just like, hey, you just download this app. Someone shows up and they drive you yeah. around and you question it for like half a second. And then, you know, you're off to the races <laughs> and then suddenly you're using all of these things. But there's got to be some sort of scams and there's got to be a dark
1: side to all of this. So, uh, like, what are some of the weird yeah. things you've heard about? For sure. I mean, I think that with any positive technology or, you know, anything cool and new, right, or anything really, anytime there's money involved, there's always scams. So, I mean, I think the biggest issues that have sort of plagued uh, Uber and Lyft and Rideshare have been around the safety. So, I mean, you know, driving for hire is actually a pretty dangerous job, as you may know. Um, You know, if you look specifically at livery, so like taxi drivers, for example, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics say that it's in the top 10 of most dangerous driving jobs, right? Because you have, you know, cash being exchanged, you have um, you know trips happening late at night. People are intoxicated, obviously, and then also um, you don't have any rider verification, right? So basically, anyone can be getting in the car. Now, Uber and Lyft solve some of that, but there's still. A number of issues around safety, you know, with COVID over the past year, year and a half, there have been a lot of COVID concerns, you know, the number one recommendation that the CDC had was stay, you know, more than six feet away from people, okay, when someone gets in the back of your car, they sort of break that rule pretty quickly. Um, So we've had a lot of, uh, you know, safety concerns there. And then I think, you know, when it comes to scams, you know, just like anything else, you know, there are a number of things that drivers need to look out for, probably the most common one is actually, uh, one of the cool things is that you can actually get instant pay as a driver. So if I'm driving for Uber on Lyft, I can cash out my pay at any point during the day for a small fee. And it basically comes immediately to my account and I can spend it within minutes. But uh, there are scammers who will actually call a ride as a passenger and then pretend they call you and they pretend to be Uber corporate and basically try to fish for your information. So there's definitely a few things to watch out for.
3: Wow, there are. So uh, going through this and, and, and talking to all these different drivers, et cetera, and back and forth, yeah. what are some of the weirdest stories or one of the weirdest that you can recall uh, <laughs> from, a, from one of these drivers? Yeah, I mean, I would say some of the
1: weirdest definitely involve, um, I mean, obviously you're going to get some pretty, you know, especially like even myself driving in LA, you get some pretty interesting characters that you're taking all around. Um, and, you know, not even intoxicated. I mean, obviously some people are like on whatever crazy drugs that are out there these yeah. days. Um, but I think the craziest one i actually heard from a driver where he literally got requested a ride um and the person didn't get in the car he just wanted to transport something and it was in a bag and he opened the bag or he it was like an open plastic bag so he didn't like look in it at the start but about halfway through the ride obviously he was like, all right i'm gonna take a peek at this and it was a machete that looked like it had blood on it oh, so no. I, don't, I don't think this was a murder weapon or anything like that you know but i mean he literally was transporting a machete with blood on it and when i heard that story i was like dude you might want to look in the bag before you drop that thing off and i think he just (laughs) dropped it off to some apartment building but you know i'm gonna give them the benefit (laughs) of the doubt that it wasn't a murder weapon but i mean that's literally you know like the type of request that you get and you know 99.9 percent of rides are just like pick someone up drop them off but if you do enough trips and uber is doing millions of rides a day you obviously get some pretty weird stories yeah,
2: I had that one driver. Her last time I was actually in an Uber, they told me to go get my own car. I was like, what? "Oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> I didn't even speak to the driver the whole. Th- they were on the phone the whole time talking about how they were going to some like e- yeah. some some awful seether concert. <laughs> it, uh, I don't even know why she yelled at me. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I buddy, no get idea. your own car. <laughs> well, let me ask you something. So, but there's so many options now. Like, why would yeah. I? So there's got to be cannibalization between these different opportunities. Yeah. Like, why would I? Deli- why don't I do final mile package delivery versus driving another yeah. human around versus driving the of food
1: around. What are the uh, economics behind each of the different modes? For sure, Dooner, and I mean that's actually kind of what we're seeing right now is that a lot of folks have sort of said to themselves, like, why the hell am I picking up people and you know letting them puke in my car and you know trample dirt and mud all over my car when I can go out and get paid for food delivery or package delivery? Especially there are a number of opportunities there and uh, these days grocery delivery, right, where you basically don't have to talk to anyone and you kind of make uh, similar pay. And so traditionally. Uber and Lyft drivers have always made the most amount of money. I think the best way to look at it is you'll probably pay more for a ride for yourself than you will for your burrito, right? And so Uber and Lyft drivers have typically, you know, earned the most. But now with all these other options, I mean, the really the big thing that's changed during the pandemic is Instacart, DoorDash, and these other competitors, they're now at the same level, you know, they're worth tens of billions of dollars now too. And so they can really compete with Uber and Lyft. I still think that, you know, in the long term, Uber and Lyft drivers have the best earning potential, but there is a lot more competition. And I think that's one of the cool things about the gig economy is you can really try it out, right? If you're more of a people person, you sign up for Uber and Lyft, you try it out, there's a low barrier to entry. There's almost no risk. If you like it, you keep going with it. If you want to do food delivery, um, you can try that out and see and compare the two, right? And that's actually what a lot of people end up doing. They might start with Uber and Lyft, switch over to food delivery and find that they like that because they're more of an introvert. So I would say kind of do your due diligence, do a little bit of research. But one of the great things is that it's such a low barrier to entry, you know, versus something like truck driving, right? Where obviously you really have to make a bigger commitment if you're going to go sign up with a company and go through training and maybe even have to pay some money. I mean, it's literally free if you already have a car. And that's actually why, you know, when we did this trucking, and when John did this trucking video, we got a ton of feedback from people who are either, I mean, it was really range across the board. It was like, oh, I'm also a truck driver, you know, during the week. And then I do Uber and Lyft on the weekends or, oh, I just quit truck driving to do this. Or, oh, I'm thinking about doing truck driving. So there's a lot of crossover between really all of these, uh, not only gig economy services, but, you know, across different transportation verticals too, for sure.
3: So Harry, you're talking about all these people. You're saying how easy it is to get in there. There's a low barrier to entry, which is is all true. So people out there that are listening to this going, huh, you know what? I was thinking about doing this. He's got some interesting stuff. Give us a couple free tips and, and, and tricks for someone who's starting out.
1: For sure. Well, we've got more detailed information on my site on the rideshareguy.com or the YouTube channel. Basically, if you type in any keyword related to Uber and Lyft driving or, uh, you know, gig economy, hopefully I pop up pretty high on the page. But, you know, as far as specific tips, I mean, I think the thing to consider is you can actually try out all of these services as a customer. You know, a lot of people have taken Uber and Lyft, but not everyone has ordered food delivery. Not everyone has ordered Instacart. So that's a great way where you can literally, you know, kind of test out the system, see how it works, communicate with your driver. when they show up to offer, you know, to deliver your package, give them a $10, $20 tip and chat with them for five minutes. I'm sure they'll be more than happy, you know, for a small tip to tell you about what it's like, right? And get a little insight that way. So that's the one thing um, that I would say. And then the other thing too, is just to start off, um, you know, sort of in a time and place, you know, you're at the beginning of working in the gay economy, maximizing your income shouldn't be your goal. It should really be more about learning the system, right? You don't need to go crazy at the start. If you're delivering groceries for Instacart, you know, you only want to take jobs in your local grocery market for example, that you're familiar with, right? If you're driving for Uber and Lyft, you know, don't start on Super Bowl Sunday, maybe start on like a Thursday afternoon in your local area that you know all the streets you're familiar with. And then over time, you can really start to, you know, what you really want to do is we see a huge correlation between the number of trips drivers have done and their earnings potential. So, what you're really trying to do in the gig economy is accelerate that learning curve, right? You want all the drivers after 5,000 trips, how much they're making, you want to be there at 1,000 trips, for example, right? So once you kind of learn the ropes and get the system, you know, you can, if you want to maximize your income, you, there are plenty of resources out there like my site and forums and Facebook groups and things like that, where you can really start str- strategizing and, uh, you know, increase your earnings.
2: Yeah. That, I mean, that all makes sense too. I mean, yeah, low barrier to entry, so it's easy to get into it, easy to get started. If you don't like it, you don't like the commitment. At least start at a place where that's a little bit low risk, a little less. Don't start like Thanksgiving weekend or Super Bowl Sunday. Like (laughs) exactly. Like you said, if it doesn't work out, just delete the app. Get on with your life. Yeah. Don't fly to a city you don't know
3: and do Super Bowl. Hey,
2: so you are these are these drivers when they're are they like judging
1: me when they're picking out the different items? Oh, 1,000%. I mean, Instacart and, you know, I, I mean, a lot of these services, they're the there's worst, new ones right? to like puff and yeah, I mean, because you really get to see into a person's life, right? You're picking out the items and then, you know, a lot of times the items aren't available. So you got to send them a picture and say, Hey, would you like something else? You know, would you like a different pack of, you know, um, you know, Twinkies or <laughs> whatever, yeah. or, you know, we're out of Twinkies, you know, whatever you want. And you can really see, you know, all right, is this person they're a little more health oriented, a little more junk food oriented. So you might not say anything, but you're definitely going to make pass a lot of judgments versus, uh, you know, food delivery, you just pick up, you drop off. I mean, Uber and Lyft is honestly like it's, it's something I've always done at part time. So I've, I've always found it pretty fun. I mean, there've been phases where I kind of go through driving more and less, but you know, I, a lot of drivers actually really enjoy the conversations that they have. We kind of joke that, you know, you, it often feels like you're more of a therapist than anything, right. Especially, you know, some of the later night rides, you get someone struck out at the bar, you gotta, you know, uh, you know, make them feel a little bit better on the way home. So there, there's a lot of, you know, I guess you would say like tangential benefits to some of these jobs. You know, John joked in his video that if you want to listen to 14 hours of podcast, you know, while you're truck driving, you know, you can do that on food delivery and uh, grocery delivery too, but you get a little customer interaction, right? A little texting back and forth. So you can find that perfect balance. Harry, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much for joining us on the show, everyone. Go check out the rideshare guy. And now it's been confirmed: uh, Instacart drivers are the most chatty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. We and appreciate they are it. Judging you? No, good, good. You know, I I always suspected that as well, especially when you have something like Brussels sprouts within, like you know, when you can put on Instacart if something's not in, you can put what to get if it's not there. Yeah, and if you put like. Um, You know, like snow snow cones or yeah. Give me Brussels Brussels sprouts sprouts sprouts. if they're not
3: there. Give me a uh, couple boxes of Thin Mints. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we got Christian Lang. He is the CEO and co-founder and chairman over at TradeShift. Yeah. And today he's going to talk to us about weaning enterprise companies off paper. He says they're still using too much paper, destroying the environment, slowing our process, siloing things. Michael Vincent, unworkable. In a remote no, let's environment. Get let's get Christian, that paper. thanks for joining us today and helping us counter this problem. By the way, I love the uh, 2001 poster, little Stanley Kubrick action going on.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I know uh, paper is obviously a, a big problem. I think actually, what's a bigger problem is just um, these large companies are essentially blind, right? Uh, you know, uh, the time it takes for them to get uh, data from A to B to figure out what's happening in the supply chain, if you're running everything on paper is weeks, not not minutes. Um, and so I think that's a huge part of this problem. And if you don't have a digital platform underneath your business, um, you will just have to to live with that kind of reaction time. Um, we saw it during COVID, right? Uh, I think uh, in the UK, the National Health Service, they spent around $20 billion on, on PPE. Um, had they been able to purchase that even a few months earlier, the same PPE had probably cost $2 billion, right? So. You wipe out 10 years of savings on on running lean supply chain in a month uh, if you can't react.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, Christian, tell us exactly what does TradeShift do to uh, help with this problem?
0: So, TradeShift, we are a cloud-based network for businesses. Uh, You can almost think about it like a LinkedIn or Facebook for for companies. Companies that can connect digitally, they can set up an account, they can uh, do business with their counterparty uh, directly on the platform. It's all private and very secure. Um, but you can also collaborate in real-time, right? So if you're receiving a purchase order from your customer, you can go in and comment. You can talk about which items are there, which are not, quality, all of these things that are part of, of business-to-business processes, right? So um, it's essentially just like a digital platform or network for your supply chain. Um, and it does a lot more than just take the paper It helps you have a relationship with your suppliers. It helps you um, run other processes. You can run apps on top of the platform like you know it from your iPhone. Uh, but these apps are just around, let's say, quality management, uh, environmental impact, uh, audit for supply chain issues, et cetera, right? So we're just that digital link that allows you to then do whatever business process you want between uh, you and your supplier.
2: Your banner ad on LinkedIn says no more fake digitization. So to call this out, man. What is this <laughs> fake digitization companies are doing? What does that look like?
0: Oh, man, I mean, for the last... 20 years, we've been faking digitization in most enterprises, right? And people have gotten a lot of like gold stars, so you've done well, which is we put a lot of digital screens in front of people, right? So if you're the CFO or if you're working in the business, you have a lot of software you can click on and you can look at it. It looks all very pretty. Um, but the reality is that all of the data that's underneath that moves to an extremely painful process, right? Uh, we talk about most transactions being PDF, fax, uh, you know, <laughs> paper, uh, it's maybe been scanned in India somewhere. So somebody has typed in they, they type wrong, and you know there's a huge delay. So while all of the the, the interfaces you're looking at are digital, um, what is underneath this is pretty much the equivalent of like a steam locomotive. It's it's very old fashioned, right? Um, and I think what we really need to do is actually digitize the process and spend a little less time on how pretty the screens are we're looking at.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Christian, I, I remember a, a customer once sending me data, they took a PDF of, of a, uh, they sent me a PDF of, a, of an Excel spreadsheet, which was amazing to me. They couldn't just email that to me. But the, we're talking about deeper than, deeper than that, right? So uh, how do they fix this type of stuff?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the uh, first fix to fixing a lot of this stuff has to do with automation, right? Uh, people want to automate their supply chains, they want to automate all of how they deal with all of these transactions. The challenge is that to do that, we try to build some very inflexible processes and supply chains. Meaning an invoice can only look like that. You can only do this. Maybe you set some of this sort of like, it's called robotic process automation on top where you have like macros that can just say yes or no. Um, But the problem is that is then your combined, it's like putting concrete across your whole supply chain. It can't move. Um, And and what we are really advocating is no, get to your suppliers, convince them to be digital. It's not as hard as you think. And, and do digital business from the source up, And that means we can do a lot of smart stuff. Uh, we can move stuff around. We can collaborate. You don't have these, these delays. And uh, just to take one example from the real world, right? Like um, we, we do business in the, in the UK with, with, with one of the largest uh, healthcare providers there, right? I mean, more than um, more than 20,000 suppliers, more than uh, 100 million transactions. And when we started out, they used to get some of their invoices written on Typewriter. In Scotland, and and I never thought I'd hear anything like that. When we contacted those suppliers, they're like, "Well, I'm not kidding you. We're using a typewriter for religious reasons." Um, and and today they're <laughs> today they're digital, right? So so whatever you know the challenge is, and, and we see this in Southeast Asia, we see it everywhere in the world. There's always some belief, "Oh, we can't digitize this part of our supply chain." What well, we find it is nine out of ten times is not actually delivering value to your suppliers in that process. It's like, what are you offering them? And, and they're like, well, I'm the CFO. I'm just going to tell them to do it. And it's like, they're not going to do it. Like 5% are going to do it, maybe, you know, uh, but the rest is going to wait and see, right? So instead, can we offer them better payment terms? Can we get them paid faster? Can we use, you know, working capital to do that so it doesn't hit your balance sheet? Can we give them more information about their payments, their status with you? Can we can we help you then get the next order quicker, right? So, other incentives we can offer, and I think way too often in enterprises, there's just this feeling, oh, we're the big guys. We're just going to tell the supply chain to do whatever we want. Um, but if people are really, really honest with themselves, how well have that worked out for the last 20 years? And, and I think instead you got to build like a win-win you know, mindset where you say, well, how can we actually help our suppliers get to digital faster?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, incentives drive the outcome. I mean, there's a reason that's a famous saying and one that's stuck around. Well, before we let you go, how do people learn more about the company? How do they connect with you if they want to go on
0: this journey? Uh, Tradeshift.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, Christian Lang, uh, just like my name, or on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active in in every place. And, you know, I love to have direct conversations with customers, potential customers, anyone who really just want to harass me and hear what's going on in Tradeshift.
2: Now, 2001, before I let you go, now I'm curious to see the poster behind you. Maybe your favorite space movie. What's your second favorite space movie?
0: Oh man, that's hard. Probably, uh, probably Aliens uh, or Alien the Original. Uh, it's nah. tough. Event Horizon is, is also pretty good.
2: Oh yeah, well, what Event, Horizon, did you say? Event Horizon. Crazy ending to yeah. Event Horizon. Don't don't watch yeah, yeah, that on yeah, a full yeah. stomach. All right, well, Christian, thank no. you. Thanks one more okay. time for uh, joining us. We appreciate it. Well, well, cool stuff. Event yeah. Horizon. He didn't say 2010, which was the sequel to 2001. I don't. Yeah, well, I don't um,
3: blame him. Though. Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't either. He? Well,
2: we're here to appreciate things, so let's appreciate truck drivers a little bit more as anthony ever is here he's the head of driver recruitment over at dhl supply chain he's gonna let us in on how they are kicking off this driver appreciation week anthony thanks so much for your time today
5: hey guys thanks for having me
2: so tell me about it's gotta be exciting day or exciting week over at dhl supply chain as you appreciate drivers what is some of the the messaging and appreciation that you're getting out there this week
5: Well, we've we've always taken Driver Appreciation Week pretty seriously at DHL Supply Chain, Um, but this year's a little bit different. You know, with all the things that professional drivers have had to face, all the obstacles they've had to overcome, um, with. Regards to the pandemic, with regards to the supply chain, just in general, um, we're trying to do a lot of things this year that are they're a little bit more than what we've done in years past. So, we're hosting a, a big nationwide raffle where drivers are going to receive gifts anywhere from, um, and they'll have their pick of, of, of a litany of things to choose from: flat screen TVs, grills, smokers, toolkits, golf clubs, um, and then you know we'll have a range of things you know of, of a little less value like gift cards and, and tools and things like that. So um, we'll have the big raffle. We've got videos from our, our North American board members with with thank you messages on them. We'll be supplying the drivers with those. There's a corporate gift that we do every year. Um, this year, it's DHL duffel bags and um, little kits like that. So we're, we're really trying to make it special this year. It's a, it's a difficult job, and there's a lot of challenges associated to it generally, um, and this year, um, certainly a, a lot more added on
3: yeah it 's excellent to hear Anthony quite quite frankly, you see some of the drivers saying hey it 's driver appreciation week. the people in the office get to eat barbecue and celebrate for us, and we keep <clears throat> driving but yeah, you guys are obviously doing much more than that, and that 's really, really good to hear you know last month, we chatted with your colleague Nicole, and she had some she talked about some very innovative ways that DHL supply chain recruitment efforts right so once you 've yeah. got those drivers in house and are driving for you, how can trucking industry how can we do a better job
5: of retaining those? Well, retention, you know, one of the things we've heard here recently this year is retention is the new recruiting. Um, and so in trying to retain drivers, it's an ultra-competitive market. I'm sure you guys know that. And, in a, you know, turnover is certainly something we pay a lot of attention to. But one of the programs we've, we've introduced here in the last several years, I want to believe it was 2016 we started it, is a program called Drive for Gold. It's an incentive-based program where drivers actually earn points Um, for driving behavior. So whether that's, you know, on-time delivery, scanning compliance, um, different things that drivers do for the customer. And then there's things just in driving in general, like preventable accidents, attendance, that sort of stuff. And what happens is they take these points, Points and they bank them, and then they can go onto a website and they can purchase gifts and prizes and things like that. Um, and it's not always DHL branded stuff. You know, drivers sometimes when you give them the company's um, you know shirts and branded items, they're kind of looking for a little bit more. So it's a recognition program. It's it's got um, pieces of retention built to it. And then the other side of it, and, and the thing we really try to do, is um, active leadership. You know, so getting our transportation managers involved, understanding, you know, what's important to our drivers, whether that's equipment related. Um, A lot of times, you know, drivers have things that they don't really tell us, you know. So, um, you know, us going and soliciting that information and trying to make it a a better place to work is, is really becoming paramount these days.
2: Yeah, no, I, and I feel for your drivers. When I first moved here to Chattanooga for for FreightWaves, I didn't have all my stuff with me, so I had like a FreightWaves backpack, a FreightWaves shirt, FreightWaves hat, a FreightWaves keychain, a FreightWaves mug. It's it's a little it's a little much, so Mr. Swag. Um, yeah, but for for the listeners and the viewers out there who would like to do a little bit more, it's the start of it's the start of Truck Driver Appreciation Week. They would like to help out yeah. as well. What can we tell them to do?
5: Well, I, I think it's it's really take it seriously and get involved. I, I talk to drivers wherever I go. And just as an example, last week I was in um, just a 7-Eleven store, and there was a driver in there making a delivery. And so I engaged with him, and I said, w- you know, what's your company got planned or what have they done in the past for Driver Appreciation Week? And he was like – nothing, man. They don't, they don't typically recognize it and and that sort of thing. And, And my, my feeling towards that is you get what you put in, you know, and, and make sure that, you know, drivers know that you appreciate them, but more importantly, show it, you know, and and show it through your actions and through your words and get involved. You know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes drivers just want to be engaged, you know, they just want to talk to folks and, you know, they spend a lot of time alone, you know, so the more, the more effort we can place towards making those communications and, and staying in touch with our folks, you know, I think it goes a long way.
3: So, Anthony, where can people go to uh, learn more about what you guys are doing for Driver Appreciation Week and and learn more about what DHL Transportation, uh, your capabilities and what you guys are doing?
5: Yeah, for um for driver openings. Or so for anybody that wants to join the team, you know, we put all of our driver openings on um, www.drivefordhlsupplychain.com. That's our portal, and it links to everything we've got open. So if you're a driver and you're looking for home daily type routes, you're looking for no touch or touch or whatever the case may be, everything regionally is open. And then um, we've also got our our podcast, No Boundaries, All Business, No Boundaries. So that's DHL. Dot com slash all business, no boundaries. Um, and you can learn a lot about the things that we're doing through that. And you can see some of the videos and some of the celebrations that are taking place locally all, all across our business.
2: Well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today and letting us know what DHL is doing for driver appreciation week. We appreciate, we appreciate it. Thank you and take care.
5: Sure thing. Thank you.
2: Cool. Exactly. Good times. Good times for driver appreciation. We got a lot of opportunity out there. You've got what they're doing. You've got what um, what C.H. Robinson's doing yeah. as well. So, a lot of chances, even if you're just sitting at your desk, right? You can't muster up much more energy than just putting hashtags out into the world. Well, you can just go to either of these respective websites and get that information out there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's not a big deal. Go thank a driver. Get Nor a, a buck over to St. Christopher's Funtest. Right? Time for a little big deal, little deal. Big deal. I missed that too. Little deal.
2: All right, what is the big deal, little deal this week? Well, let's see what's going on. Freight broker Echo Global Logistics announced Friday that it would be taken private by middle market private equity shop. The Jordan Company who has quite a few uh, transportation companies under their belt and a deal valued at $1.3 billion. Is that a big deal, a little deal, Mr. Dude?
3: Well, I'll tell you what. I think it's a big deal, and it's certainly a big deal for uh, Doug Wagner, Chairman and CEO. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he told us, and and here's why I think it's a big deal too. It's because what what things that he said. One is it un- they're unlocking a the shareholder value that they believe was always been there, but they didn't get credit for. Right. And and that kind of goes along with the second thing that he that he talked about is that. The the PE is, it shows that the private equity is actually buying into something that is and is proven instead of what could be in some of these startups, right? So it's kind of this change type of thing, and I think they're getting this recognition, and therefore I think it's a pretty big deal, and it's certainly a big deal with Echo because now they can take some, uh, uh, they can be a little bit more uh, strategic in their growth and what they're doing, and don't have to answer to the public to make those long term things happen, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Ron Lentz would tend to agree with you. Ron Lentz was our guest who was on here on Friday. He was talking about the deal that came up when he was talking to us, and he said, you know, it's a lot like capacity, like in transportation. There's more money out there and companies to buy him than there are, uh, you know, not. <laughs> to buy the li- yeah, my I, yeah, no, right? <laughs> I think I'm saying that right, right? <laughs> I think so. Why not? Yeah,
3: sure. So hey, here here we go. I got one for you. So the National Tree CEO. I meant
2: something that was a lot more profound <laughs> I did but not it, say that right. D-
3: dude, it, it came across as very, very <laughs> profound. Something. I don't know. We'll have to look at the tape later. <laughs> National, so listen, the National Tree CEO. Yes. Right? I think he said something that's pretty obvious. I bet there's but, more buyers than sellers. There are more <laughs> buyers than sellers. <laughs> that's Listen well. We need more buyers. Or if you're a buyer, right. you need to do it, but not wait until Black uh, Friday to shop for the holidays, my friend. Okay. Well. National Tree CEO says you got to do this. Is this a big deal? Do you think this year is this a bigger deal than it was last year?
2: Let's be clear here. You're saying the National Tree CEO yeah. is saying don't wait until Black Friday. That's shopping. right,
3: man. You need to start buying now for the holidays. Like a Christmas tree, or I yes. need. I think it's everything. Everything. It's everything. everything. All gifts.
2: Yeah, I've suspected this, and I, I read that article, too. I, hear, I heard what he had to say, and he said that you know part of it is that they're importing 10% less goods. Yeah. And what's getting left on the shore is uh, actually dictated by what's in the margin, right, and the cost yeah. for goods and what space they're taking up. So they're making a lot smarter skewed decisions, probably decisions that you might want to make most times in your supply chain, but they're making a lot of those smart skewed decisions now about
3: what doesn't belong here. Agreed. Yeah, 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 and that's what's happening.
1: Well,
2: yeah, I mean, look, part of it also is what he talks about in here is that transportation costs are up 25% yeah. for them. So they got to cut back 10% in inventory because they're going to eat all those losses in the transportation costs if they bring uh, those yeah. items in. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's a big deal. And I think that as long as we stay in this sort of peak economy and there might mm-hmm. be indications that it's changing i mean look there's a couple indicators that one is the capping of the spot rates now it wasn't a cap of, of surcharge it was a cap of spot rates and this came just two weeks after i started hearing reports of orders at origin orders overseas were starting to get cut back on as well but that had to do with the u.s dollar being considered kind of worthless by the chinese right now because they know that it's overissued and we have printed a ton so i think it's a big yeah. deal and i think that um you know, initially, I was like, when is this freight storm ever going to end? But I think that in 2022, there's some indicators that, uh, you know, maybe second quarter, we Dark start seeing corrections on the backside of this. Might. And it'll be bad, too, because mm-hmm. we're going to see it across our economy. So it's going to Oh, hurt. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, it's not going to go away just in yeah. everybody's It's a big going, deal. Hey, it's a bigger are... deal than just, like, go out and buy your Christmas gift. Yeah, it's, it's a, bigger a bigger deal. It's a much bigger deal than yeah. that. I agree. Agree 100%. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, let's see what we got here. Okay, so we just talked to this gentleman about this. DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, right? Mm, yeah. Uber Technologies, are, and Uber Technologies, they are suing New York City over its recent measure that capped commissions in their apps that could charge restaurants at 15%. They, were, they used to be as high as 30% before this cap came into effect, this 15% cap. Yep. Big deal to get that under control?
3: Uh, man, this is a big deal because it goes down those slippery slopes and I, you can see both sides, right? You want to protect those restaurants that are hurting uh, because of COVID and, and the Delta variant that's coming out. And, and they need this this stream, right? And you don't want to destroy their, their margins in a tough time right now. But I also do not like laws that say, hey, private, uh, private uh, uh, companies and private enterprise can only make so much. I mean, it's a competitive thing. It's not like there's a monopoly going on here. It's a competitive thing. Uh, and if they're willing to pay for 30 percent margins to get their stuff delivered, then I don't see how the government steps in and does this unless it's on a temporary like emergency type basis where it was before. Right. Because it was on a temporary emergency and now they made it permanent. So I, I think it's kind of a big deal to argue through and try and understand what's going on here. Tell you the truth. Sure. So, anyways, according to a poll conducted by CDL Life on the CDL Life app, they asked a bunch of drivers how hard it was getting food at, foot, at, at, at truck stops. Duner, yeah. and eighty percent, well, seventy nine percent, yeah, uh, said that it is uh, said yes to the question. It is getting very, very hard to find dinner because truck stop restaurants are short staffed or closed early. What do you think? Big deal.
2: Yeah, it's a big deal. We're talking about Truck Driver Appreciation Week. We're talking about thanking a trucker. We're talking about all those kind of things. But in the meantime, a lot of drivers out there who can't even get a simple meal when they're out the road. And at kind of the worst time, too, it's at night. They're looking for a place to park. They're looking for a place to... Eight, they might find the parking spot, but I think one of the stats I saw here was that 26% of all uh, travel, you know, travel Centers of America restaurants are currently closed right now, so drivers have to do a lot more planning. they got to take a lot more time out of their day. Um, inside the survey, they were talking about how drivers are combating this, so the one good thing is they're doing the healthy thing. They're not getting as much fast food. They are cooking for themselves, but stress isn't healthy either, so if it's extra stressful to do all this stuff, which direction are we going in? We're we going to put any pressure on it for Truck Driver Appreciation Week? Probably not, but it it's not a great situation for drivers, and I think it's a big deal.
3: It is a big deal, and it's one of those things that's really hard to. How, how do you solve it? I, I don't know. I don't know either. That's what makes it an even bigger deal. Because
2: here's something that harkened back to. I don't know if you remember the actor Anton Yelchin, but in 2016, he had a Jeep Grand Cherokee, a 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. He lives in Hollywood, right? He's driving up his driveway. And then he pulls the car over. He thinks he puts it in park. He gets out to go get his mail. The Jeep Grand Cherokee rolls backwards, like that, uh, like the truck in uh, in Ice Road, and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like Liam's brother in Ice Road, it rolled right backwards, right onto Anton Yelchin. Right, there's yes. nothing the kid could do about it. Yeah. He got pinned against his steel grate and he died. Yeah, yeah, awful situation. Well, a Canadian man was killed earlier this week after being crushed by his own car in a McDonald's drive-through, according to
3: reports. Big deal or little deal? It's certainly a huge deal to him, and it's a huge deal to his family. Uh, In the grand scheme of things, uh, it's incredibly uh, unfortunate, but it's not a— I mean, it's not that huge of a deal, right? I mean, we have different things. But I, I got a question. Why, if I get off my forklift and have for years, does it stop running? But if I leave the driver's seat of my car, it just continues to do what it wants to.
2: You know, that's funny, because I was looking into that Anton Yelchin thing, because uh, Chrysler got sued over that yeah. the Jeep Cherokee thing, and they said, okay, we've made it more clear for when this vehicle is in park. But it one of the things that was discussed in the video that I don't know if was implemented, it, Clearly wasn't on this car. Was that right. if someone's not in the driver's seat, you know, like beeps if you have your, right. your your belt on. If someone's not in there to make that sensor go off, then the car will not move forward in neutral. It'll automatically be in a de facto park. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, parking brake type of deal.
2: Because how often do you need it to be a neutral? Like, push your car out of a ditch or something. Like, it seems like that should need. You, the you should have feature.
3: to. You should have to knowingly override a a brake to do that. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. these
2: kind of situations don't happen that often. So I'm with you. Is it that big a deal? You got to change every manufacturer and recall every manufacturer. But the fact that your McDonald's car can just drive you into, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know.
3: Okay, so here, here you go. A man was declared dead. I believe this happened in Cincinnati, Ohio, on uh, Interstate 275, the loop that goes, goes around Cincinnati there. So on September 8th, a truck rear-ended a car, right, yeah. and ejected this guy. Okay. Okay? And so the police identify him, and they call him. we're going to call him Elder Thomas O, because his last name is Ocampamagia, maybe, okay. something like that. Anyways, so they call this family, and they tell him he's 42 years of Cincinnati. He said, he died on impact when he came out of this car and hit it. Uh, and then two hours later, he uh, showed up in his in his driveway and his family found out that he really wasn't dead. It was a mistaken identity. Big deal, little deal.
2: Uh, obviously, any Lazarus <laughs> moment is uh, a big deal. This was a really interesting story that happened over in Ohio, and apparently they were um his next to kin had already been had notified his family yeah. had been notified his family started notifying family members. I guess he has a nine year old brother as he's forty two he has a nine year old brother I'm not sure exactly how that works, but he has a yeah. nine year old brother They were going to tell him that this guy was dead, right yeah. So I guess there's good news, bad news here, though, because the guy is not, in fact, dead. He came home. um, Here's a quote from him. He said, uh, I was just outside running. I need to see if he was this was from his sister. I need to see if he was dead or not. I opened the door and I said to uh, I said to him, I know, you know, you're supposed to be dead. And he just looked at her shocked and he said, "Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But here's the sad part. Someone did die. Someone actually I don't know how they they said that, like once they figured out. How this guy was assumed, the identity, they figured out who actually had died, but they couldn't describe it. And somehow that.
3: there's a connection between the two, and that's how it got mixed up, but they haven't said why. Wow, that's not
2: yeah. ominous. but I mean, hey, yeah. good for the family that like everyone told them that he was dead, and then he's not.
3: Yeah, no, that's a big deal, man. <laughs> that would be a big deal.
2: Bad, bad for whomever else's family. Maybe, uh, maybe hearing out about it, though.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, either that's way, though, true. a
2: little cowbell for all the truck drivers out there. This has been What the Truck You Can Find in this show. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, noon Eastern time. Wherever you get your podcast, download the Freightways TV app to watch it. Hit the music. Let's get out of here. Hit the music. Let's get out of here. I'm Duder. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Tudor. You can find him at Vincent the Dude. Catch Freightways now 900 9 a.m. Eastern time in the morning. Tell them how to beat rest of the day.
3: Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.